Oh crap. Hello again, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Game Pass Grab Bag, your weekly podcast reviewing games from the Game Pass collection. I am Andrew, the Archmage of this episode. With me, our peasant, Keith. Hello. And our adorable pilfer, Liz. Hey, guys. And this week was Keith's pick. So that, you know what that means? It's either A, a platformer, or B, a roguelike. <laughs> so, Keith, what did we play? We played the roguelike Undermine. <laughs> And this game is brought to you by Thorium Studios. So, as we said, this is a top-down dungeon crawler roguelike, where you are an endless stream of peasants going down to the mines trying to figure out where these constant earthquakes are coming from. And as you keep going down deeper and deeper, you are finding more scary monsters and getting more gold to continuously upgrade your non-stop stream of peasants. So going around, Keith, was this a gamer pass for you? There's things about it that kind of irk me, but as a whole, I think it's definitely a game. I think it's fun. Liz? I think for the amount of time I put into the game, I have to give it a definite game. Although I do think it's very simple in a way. And I mean, I don't... I just think it was missing something special. But I I loved it. I couldn't stop playing. It was a little bit addictive. (laughs) I, too, am also giving this a game. I did have a lot of fun with it. If you were enjoying roguelikes, this is right up your alley. But the thing that I had an issue with, which I first told Liz, is out of all the roguelikes we've been playing, what makes this one so different and so special? And the only thing I can think of before getting into it is I think it's very simple. And I also felt like you were progressing pretty well in the game. But this game also, too, has, I thought, a relatively interesting story. Did you guys enjoy it at all? I just assumed it was Purgatory. But I don't know. <laughs> no, it's not purgatory. I beat the game and it's not purgatory. I didn't think there was a lot to the story or maybe I just didn't delve deep enough. But I actually looked up because I was like, where is the story? I want to know more. And I read that the two guys who created the game left professional game development jobs. They met at Relic and they wanted to pursue indie game development. And there's three dogs that you can get in the game, and there's an achievement to get all three dogs. And one of them actually does have a dog named Dylan, which is named after Carl Weathers' character from Predator. Ooh. A, that's really odd to name your dog after Carl Weathers' character from Predator. I mean, It's a cute dog name, though. Oh, no, I, it is. I, my favorite dog was Engine. Human, human names for any animal are the best thing in the world, so a dog named Dylan is pretty fantastic. But... For me, I actually enjoyed the story. I, which Starting off, it's something very simple. An archmage tells you as a peasant, hey, go to the mines, figure out why all these earthquakes are happening. But every time you beat a boss, you're kind of uncovering more and more what's going on. And you kind of find out that, you know, maybe the archmage has some ulterior motives. I think my problem is that, I think my problem is that I found the game actually kind of difficult. And, well, I guess the the bosses were difficult for me. And so I put in so many hours, but I didn't get very far. I was upgrading a lot, and I was uncovering the library and the alchemist, and I was progressing that way. But I just didn't find much of the story in the game. Same. Was I not looking in the right place? Like, I don't don't know. The story is a little bit hidden. Because every time you beat a boss, you basically have to go back to the mage and talk to him. And he will open up more. You'll start to uncover some other characters. And the other characters will kind of explain more as to what's going on as well. So, yeah, the story isn't, like, in your face. It is kind of something where it's like, you blink, you could miss it. 
Yeah, I also wish that there was more humor in it. And there was a little bit with the two guards. I believe their names are Toadvine and Bathcat. Yep. And I thought their humor and their their bickering was really cute, but there wasn't much of it. And then there was also the mushroom character, Beltrame. And I thought the character design was so cool, but I didn't know anything about him. Yeah, it was a little uh, shallow. I thought it was weird, too, with the two guards, like you were talking about, Cathbat and Toadvine. You're talking to them, and they're friendly at first. Then literally as soon as you enter the dungeon, which is like the second map, you're fighting people that look like them. They're not exactly them, but they look like them. And it's, I thought it was kind of confusing. Because as soon as I saw them, I was like, oh, they're friendly. They're going to be helping me. And then they started swinging their swords at me. It's like, okay, I guess I kill yeah, these people. Weird. So I thought that was kind of a weird design. Because they didn't explain, too, why they're attacking you. The two guards guarding the posts don't attack you, but all the other ones do. So there are moments of the story that it's like, I don't get why this is happening. But there is an overall story, and I thought it was okay. It wasn't something that made me want to keep playing. That wasn't what's driving me. But when we played like another rogue, like uh, Dead Cells, Dead Cells had a story as well, but it was super hidden. You basically had to like read tiny text and try to read descriptions of things to kind of figure out what was going on. But this one definitely put it more front and center, but it's still definitely something you could miss. But when yeah. you fight the final boss, you kind of figure out what's going on. Yeah, you'd probably be surprised to find out I, I didn't catch any of the story. I just, <laughs> you know. Well, you have zero interest in story in general. Well, I was bummed because I was looking for it. <laughs> <laughs> I like a good story if the point of the game is a story. I don't know. Roguelikes to me... It's As you so hate rogue. every RPG. No, RPGs are built on having a good storyline. I like that. But a roguelike, they're just generally so simple of run, die, repeat. And to throw a story in that, it seems weird to me when it's something so repetitive that, I don't know. And they're usually just super shallow. They just don't exist and... It, it ends up feeling like a throwaway and I'm just not going to waste extra time trying to dig into the lore of these mines when it, it really just doesn't matter, quite frankly. I'm just killing everything that moves when I go down there trying to collect as much gold and then yeah, repeat. That's a good point. You're definitely not playing this for the story. So I guess the main reason you are playing it for then is the gameplay. And Some might say. <laughs> and as I said with like Liz, I'll ask you the same question, Keith. What makes this set apart from other roguelikes? Quite honestly, I don't think there's a lot. I think from a gameplay perspective, the fact that you jump instead of roll for a dodge, that's sort of unique-ish, <laughs> I guess. You can jump! Ooh, this um, is a feature. I think... I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. I, I if With that question, I can't give you a good answer. But there is something that's strangely addictive about it at the same time. And maybe yeah. it's just because the runs are all so short. Well, not all. I mean, you can 15, 30 minutes or whatever if you're if you're doing start to finish, but at the same token, if you if you just immediately jump as far as you can go and you're maybe a little underleveled, your run might last 5 minutes and be done and just pick it up again. I think too that it's not very punishing. So that's kind of unique with it because I felt like you got to keep a good amount of gold and you can obviously upgrade your backpack so you get to keep more so I think that that kind of like 
just made it less worrisome to play. Because there are some where it's like you just start over. And that's always, like, when you have a really good run and you start over and you get nothing, it's the worst. See, I think it's funny that you say that because I was talking to Andrew about this yesterday. And I don't know if I use that exact word, but punishing is how I would describe this game. Maybe oh, that's really? what makes it a little unique. Yeah, the fact that you lose chunks of your gold when you die, and obviously as you go through, you can upgrade that so it doesn't happen. And that po- at that point, I would guess it does lose some of its punishing, but it, it if you die too quickly, you lose 20% of your gold and then another 20% of your gold or whatever, you know, however much you're at. And if you're not making up the amount that you lost from the last run, you're going backwards. And that kind of got frustrating to me. If you're trying to save up for something expensive, and so you go in with 20000 and you die fairly quickly, you are going to lose some of the stuff that you earned. And obviously when you're trying to build, that is frustrating. And then you also have the, what are they called, pilfers? Yeah. That try to steal your gold. Which I thought was interesting that they did it, that every single time you swung for gold, they would appear. I thought it would have been better if they randomly appeared. Yeah, so it got a little tiresome. you weren't expecting it. But when you expect it every single time, it's just like, ugh. You just guard the gold. Yeah, so for me, I'm going to say this too. If you don't like roguelikes, this game isn't going to change your opinion. It's still very much the same of going in, doing a run, dying, getting a little bit stronger, starting all over again, and rinse and repeat. For me, I think the only thing that made this a little bit better is I I personally felt like I was progressing. Every time I was doing a run, I was still leaving with a good amount of gold or finding new relics that will appear in other runs in... For me, I did feel like there was a good amount of progression. I actually felt like I was getting stronger. I felt like I was getting deeper every time I was playing. I didn't find it to be too punishing. I mean, as a, I, I never felt like I was ever going backwards. But yeah, there wasn't anything, there wasn't any surprise mechanic with this that made it feel better or, or different than any other roguelike. I feel like the pilfers kind of actually were. And I get what you're saying as far as them being a bit repetitive where you know it's coming and you can just quickly like round up your gold take a couple swings at the ones that get close by and call it a day but i don't know i don't feel like that a lot of other games kind of have that but that's like a it's just such a minor thing that i agree with you i don't think this game is changing anyone's opinion on a rogue like you either like the style of game or you don't and this one just plays a little differently you know where dead cells is a platformer and this is a top down but there's plenty of others like it on both sides so yeah. I think that this one also has a lot of gambling. Like they obviously have like the the they obviously have the Black Rabbit, which is a woman that has these games where you can gamble with your money. But what I mean is that you can get curses. You it's like what you get when you open a cursed chest, you don't know. And so I feel like there was that element as well. Like you could pay a very risky and, you know, there's also altars that you can pray on and you can get a blessing that also comes with a curse. So I thought you could play it safe. You could, you know. Yeah, this Undermine definitely does a lot of risk and reward kind of mechanics. So as Liz is saying, yeah, there's curses that obviously cause some sort of debuff on you, which can be really bad. Or some of them are relatively just a, no- a nuisance. Like they weren't that bad. Some are actually kind of nice, like the one that automatically mines all of the gold. Yeah, actually, if there's, kind of useful. if there's gold, like sometimes you just have a, a hole in the ground and you can't reach the gold that's on the wall. If it automatically mines itself, that's a plus. You're getting more gold out of that. So I actually didn't even hate at least one or two of them. I kind of liked yeah. having them. But there were some curses that were 
absolutely awful. Like It took you a long time to get my least favorite that I got all the time, which is when every torch and lantern shoots fireballs at you when you enter the room. Yeah, which is real annoying. Or the pilfers will actually damage you if they touch you. So there's a couple curses that yeah, that are really, really bad. But as Keith said, there's some that are like, eh, this isn't that bad. So but there is a nice risk-reward system. I also wish that the game was more random. And I don't know if it's supposed to be completely random, but there were certain things that would always happen when I got a particular blessing or I would finally get the boots that you could walk on air. And whenever I got those, the run barely had any rooms that had air. And so it always felt like there was this hindrance when I, whenever I got something. Or like, if I, like I was telling Andrew, if I got a blessing that was increased swing damage, I would immediately get a curse that had decreased swing damage. And it was always the same ones that I would get. And so for me, I knew right away whether or not it was worth it. Well, so I think part of that, and curses I think probably work a little differently, but the blessings in particular, like the relics and like the potions, you have a very small pool of them by default, and you have to unlock the rest of them. So if you've unlocked a lot of them, you're going to get a lot of the same blessings each time. But I did find it. I don't. I didn't find it was all or all too frequently. At least not enough that I noticed. But I definitely caught a couple of times where I went, "Oh man, that was useless," and I just end up right where I started, and then probably spending some of my health down the road to get rid of that curse. But then I do have a nice blessing still. So yeah. See, I always took like the blessings that comes with curses or anything like that, I didn't mind getting curses because you can get rid of them. There's things, there are potions you can drink to remove curses. You can spend money to remove some of these curses. So I was, I was always for taking the curses and getting the reward for them. Uh, even every once in a while you find like a demon lord who will give you a very power, powerful artifact, but you'll get a bunch of curses with it. And some of the items he has were amazing. Uh, one of the runs that I did, I ended up beating like one of the bosses I was stuck on for the longest time. He gave me a throwing item that you could basically have it sit there. So I would just throw it on the boss and run around and just keep dodging. And the thing just kept killing the boss for me. And it's like, well, this thing's amazing. Uh, now, question about that. Did it lock onto the boss or? No. You would throw it out and it would stay in its certain location. And you would hit the throw button again to recall it. So you could just keep it in a certain spot. You would still have to throw it and kind of put it in a location, but it would just sit there. And gotcha. just and then you just kind of kite the damage. boss around it. Yeah, and it was the same with like some of the ads when I just did a regular run. I could just funnel everyone into one area and they would run into my blade and all die. But I felt like, going back, it was the same with... If I had a ton of bombs, I would need keys and vice versa. I never had like what I needed and I felt like it was very deliberate in the game. There were times where I would have like 20 bombs and every single time I'd need, have chests that need like three keys. I was like, I don't have one. But then the next run, I would have a ton of keys and all I would need was bombs. I think that's a, I, I, and I mean this in a nice way because I get what you're saying. But I think that's an in-your-head thing. Like, it's but one of those like things. Like that with the relics and everything, though. I I don't know. It just never felt random to me. I don't know. I think it's I think it's just like a psychological thing of where you're just like you don't ever feel like you have what you need because you're always building in this game or you're always trying to get more, and everything gets progressively like inc- or like more expensive or things like that. So it's just I don't know. There's just kind of always a feeling of want in this game. I feel like. Yeah. Watching you play this, I, I never had any issues, at least with bombs. There was a good amount of times where I would like be desperate for keys. But I always noticed with you, 
whenever you play, so, well, I guess I should explain the mechanic first. In Undermine, there's like five levels and each one has like multiple layers you can go on. So the first one, you're going into the gold mine. Then the second, you go into Delvemore. And then the third world is the halls? a crypt. Yeah, the Halls of Din. That's what it was. But anytime you get to these locations, you can fast travel to them. Which, obviously, when you're fast traveling, you can obviously keep kind of progressing a bit quicker. But the hindrance is you don't have as many artifacts, keys, and bombs. And you always fast traveled. No, I didn't. I saw a couple times where you didn't, and I noticed you had a bit more keys and bombs. I feel like you watched me play, like, three times. <laughs> and I do like to switch it up. Yeah. I don't, anytime I saw you play, you always just took the shortcut. I almost never took the shortcut. I would always start from the beginning and go through because I wanted to get as many artifacts, blessings, and keys and bombs by the time I got to the area that I'm supposed to be working on. So I operated in the middle of this, and I'm guessing you probably did this, Andrew, it wasn't some revolutionary strategy that I had, but I would always, at the very least, go through the first floor of the gold mine, get the free relic that's on the level, then travel to the second area, travel through there. I think by that point, or you have to use keys at that point, but try and get a relic there, a bunch of gold, jump to the next one. So I could kind of just take a free floor every time, and then I would fast travel. Oh, see, I never did every floor. I would do the gold mine first floor. And then go to my location that I'm supposed to be at. I didn't think about that, going to like the first floor of each each world. Yeah, because as long as you don't jump to the next one, you can collect all the gold that's on there, usually some relics, a blessing, all that good stuff. Well, I guess like what I'm thinking is like with Dead Cells, I felt like with Dead Cells, I would get these like perfect combinations and I'd get really excited when I had them. And I didn't feel that with this game. Did you guys have a combination that you really liked or that? I mean, obviously you can't pick what artifacts you get and stuff, but... I didn't feel like there was really combos. I mean, there would be ones that definitely complemented each other, but I don't think I felt like there was any real combos. Just I think because you said, like you said, you can't really choose what you get. Well, Dead Cells was random too, but I just felt like with this game, I mean, you played with a lot of stuff, same stuff over and over again, especially at the beginning. So where this, sorry, just to finish my last thought on that is where I think this is where I think this is very different from Dead Cells is dead cells you had a very limited number of items that you could hold on to at a given time whereas in this game you just keep picking them up i don't think there was a cap on how many you could hold so except for potions yeah well yeah, there was there wasn't any cap on relics or blessings but yes Liz, there was a handful of combos that i really really loved um and i do agree where i think the game has it is a bit random and procedurally generated but i do feel like there is a bit of an influence I do feel like you're kind of getting relics that kind of focus on one thing, either your melee, your ranged, or your bombs. Or health. If I got one health one, I got multiple. That's true, yeah. But there are, but why I think like there is a little bit of the game is slightly predictable. There are, they're few and far between, but there are some relics. If you get two relics, they actually combine together and make a very powerful like single relic. So, like, there's a mirror you get where you can melee projectiles back to the enemies. And then there's another relic where skulls will float around you and they'll block projectiles. If you get those two items and combine them together, it creates these floating mirrors that go around you. And basically any projectile that gets near you just gets deflected automatically back to the enemy, which was very helpful for a boss fight that I did. But, like, there's over, like, 64 relics I think there are. And the fact that I was able to get these two very random, very hard find relics pretty close to each other to be able to create that, 
that's why I don't think it's completely random. Like, I feel like there is a little bit of an influence. But uh, my favorite combination, there's a relic called the Capture Bomb. And every time you kill an enemy with a bomb, your bomb's overall damage permanently increases. So I got that and the Bambushka Bombs, which oh, blow yeah. up into a million little bombs. Good and then there's, baby. then there's another relic called the Blast Shield that I could not take damage from my own bombs. So I could just throw those bambuskas everywhere and they would just kill everything and they wouldn't hurt me at all. And that is, when I had that combo, that's when I beat the game. I started from floor one and literally played through all of it. I took out two bosses, the fourth and the fifth world boss with those relics. Because I I was doing, like my bombs were doing over almost a thousand damage each. And then with the bambuskas turning into a million tiny bombs, each one doing over a thousand. Yeah, I took out anything like right away. See, one thing I think I would do differently if I were to start from scratch is because of the pool of relics, it can get so large is just not unlock the ones that I didn't like. Cause there was definitely some, I just felt like weren't really all that useful. Oh yeah. Like the tent. I always got the tent and the thing. Or the one that it decreases, was it range damage, but increases swing or vice versa? Yeah. I think there's, I think there's, I think there's two of them. They uh, counter each other. But no, I agree, which, so there is, I, I don't know if you've, I'm sure you saw it, but there's a pedestal where you can actually place a relic and you can pick it up again in another run. So if you have a really good relic and you're like, oh, I'm going to lose this run, but I want to save this relic, you can place it on that pedestal and you may end up running across it with another one of your peasants that you play again. I always put the one that I didn't like on it. <laughs> yes. Actually, that is my tip. If you place a relic on there, you will never find it again until you go back to that room. So one of the relics that I always hated was the lunchbox. It stored extra food, but I almost never had extra food. So I thought it was the most useless relic. So yeah, I put it on that pedestal and I never picked it up again because it's like, I don't want this relic ever. So yeah, if there's a relic you never want to pick up, yeah, put it on that pedestal and never pick it up again. I never noticed that. I, I think I have the, the helmet on there or something. The one that gives you a one block of sh- armor or something that oh yeah goes away. I never cared I never cared for those armor things yeah like I said I wouldn't I wouldn't unlock that <laughs> that's good to know I also was just thinking about the shop and a lot of the potions are kind of useless especially when you buy it through the shop so if I stumbled upon duplicate food I would do that in the shop but if you buy it in the shop it's like triple the price of the food that you can buy there so it doesn't make sense to buy it. But I noticed there are a couple of potions that were, like, really overpriced for what they were. Like, what you would get. So the game kind of tricks you, too. A little bit. But there's achievements to spend money in the shop, so I'm going to spend money. That's true. I was very frugal. You were just, like, spending left and right. (laughs) I wanted to save my gold. I I think they're kind of ultimately similar. Are you talking about the ones that are, like, in the mines or the one that's on, like, the top floor? Uh, The ones that are in the mines. I, 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 besides upgrading my character, I never spent much in the hub world. Yeah, I mean, obviously buying stuff. Well, I was, I don't think it matters too much. The game does a weird, like, increase, decrease on base prices, but there never really seemed to be any rhyme or reason to it. Yeah, it's random sales kind of thing. But yeah, if you, if you find a nice sale, it's kind of cool, I guess. You can buy, like, a, I don't know, something for 75 gold or whatnot. See, that's another thing, though. I always found food discounted when I had full health. But also, maybe, too, do you think this is why you're always short on bombs and keys? Because you would never buy them from the shop? I would. 
Yeah, but you buy like one, like before you go down. I feel like that's not very helpful. No, see, I, I think I figured it out. This is what I was getting at. It's it's like the whole Subaru theory. You never notice many Subarus driving down the road, but if you're driving in one, you're like, oh, that's a Subaru. Oh, that's a Subaru. That's a Subaru. <laughs> I, it's a, I don't know if I've ever heard this theory. Well, the I'm, I'm making theory. up the name for it on the um. spot. But like any given car, like, I don't know. I feel like once I'm like, if I'm in a car that I don't know anyone who owns it or something, I just notice it all the time or i know someone who owns like a specific type of car every time i see that type of car on the road i'm like oh i know that person has that car and like i, I just notice it more oh. that's really weird i, don't I know, know what you're, okay i know i agree with you i know what you're saying for me the thing that i always caught off guard when i was working my coworker always said she's like you ever notice when a button on an elevator is hit and it's lit up somebody will always come by and still hit that button again like they still will touch that button, even though it's already lit. It's clearly already activated, so and I true. never noticed that until she said that. Now every time I'm at an elevator, I always notice someone will hit the button again, even though. How many times do you do it? it. And oh, they never. Go, oh, dang it! Never. But it always makes me chuckle. I always look at that lit button, and then I laugh that someone else pushes it, and it's like, oh, good job, you made the elevator come faster. It's the same when you want to cross the street and someone hits the button. Someone will see someone hit that button, but they will still go over and make sure that it's hit properly. <laughs> I see that all the time. That's but what I'm I, saying. It's just a weird mental thing. Oh, I'm sorry. Go no, ahead. Okay. I just thought of another random thing that um, bothered me with the game. So when you craft a relic and you go over to get it, a pilfer can come and steal it. What bothers me is that I you can get there first, but when it comes, you have no option to grab it and you can't fight it off. So I figured out why this was happening. Okay. So if you create more than one relic within like the hub world, you can only keep one. So the oh. first one you keep, you actually get to keep that one. But they don't they didn't want you to start like a beginning run with like 20 relics, especially some of the relics that you're creating are very powerful. So it was a way for them to prevent you from basically kind of cheating, not really cheating, but like I don't know, they didn't want to make it too easy. So you can have one relic that you created as soon as you start a run, but yeah, because there was so a couple I of times I created it. like five and I was like, sweet, this is going to be great. And yeah, the pilfers took them away. See, I didn't do it very often because I wasn't very good at the game. And so it took me a while to get the purple. So for me, that's why I didn't connect that. But it's like, I wish they had told me because I would have just waited. Yeah. Uh, same yeah. here. It took me a handful of times before I realized what was going on. I went, oh, dang it. Because I was, I was annoyed too. I was like, what? Get back here, you stupid pilfer. <laughs> I think something with these games as well is I kind of wish that there were more bosses because there weren't that many bosses in this game, and I just felt like I would have felt more progression if I was able, you know, to beat them more frequently. Because <laughs> it took me a couple goes for the worm guy. I don't know. What the worm was kind of annoying. Salt. That was his name. It's just yeah, you. I I only fought. I killed the first two, and I fought the third one, which is really frustrating to me. And I think one of the things that. I think maybe that's my hook to this game is for me it felt a little bit difficult and but also beatable and so i just wanted to keep going but that's a good point that's at least one thing i can say that makes this roguelike a little bit more accessible is as i was saying i i always felt like i was progressing so if you're playing a game like dead cells dead cells is is honestly 98 percent skill if you're just bad at the game you're not gonna win like you can maybe struggle enough to maybe get to the end and maybe beat the boss, but it is just a struggle. It is all about skill. This one is very much, you can build your character 
strong enough or find the right relics that you could finally take out the boss. I never felt discouraged. I never felt like there's no way I'm going to be able to beat this boss. Yeah. And so for me, like, I just kept collecting gold and just looking forward to buying certain things. Like, I loved upgrading the uh, gold sack and stuff. So for me, I never... I never was just like, oh, I just can't play this game anymore. It's too hard. But I don't know. I just wish there was a couple more bosses to make me feel better about myself. (laughs) See, I kind of... I know we just talked about this with Forager, so maybe it's just a little bit of uh, recency or something. But there is an air of of an idle clicker game to me. Obviously, it's not idle in any aspect. But the way the progression worked... and. And as we joked about in Forager, I play so stupid amounts of idle games for no good reason. So, like, I, I feel like I can spot them a mile away. And there's just something about this that, and, and I think part of what I liked about it is it felt like it took too long to get an upgrade sometimes, but I always wanted to keep going because it was always attainable. I don't know. I don't think it felt like a good game. <laughs> it, to me, it felt like a roguelike. The progression did, at least. Like, not the gameplay in any capacity. Although sure. I did do a lot of clicking. Somebody out there has got to listen, got to play a lot of idle games on their phone. Hit me I, up. I was curious. So I was reading a little bit about them developing this game. And something that kind of, like, jumped out at me was that they said that there's a little bit of RPG in this. I don't understand that. What's, yeah. R- what's RPG about this game? Nothing. Like it was no. their website. Like they were the developers talking about developing this game, and I was like, I don't, "RPG." I don't know. I feel like that's kind of like how Nelly would have um, Willie Nelson as an inspiration to his music. Wait, is that a real thing? Not specifically, oh, but there's a lot of artists not... that they'll list their inspirations, and they're just like, "No, you sound nothing like that." I mean, the only thing I could say is like, kind of RPG element is you like upgrading your character but that's that's about it and even then i, I don't know if i really in the way the this game does it i don't know if i really consider it an rpg kind of element i was like whenever i think i know what a term means like i figure out like maybe it's wrong and i was like maybe i don't know what rpg means <laughs> maybe just like the dungeon crawler aspect like a diablo i guess i'm, I don't I'm, know. I'm pulling straws here i don't I know because <laughs> um, the only thing you really kind of level up are the familiars and every time you restart a run, the familiar starts back at level one, and the max they go up to level three. Which also, I wanted to touch base. Did you guys care for the familiars? I thought that the the gold collector was just so slow at it. I, I felt like when I watched you, even when you yours was at the same level as mine, I thought it was so much faster. And I was like, it must just be because I think it's not doing a good job because I wanted <laughs> to do better. I don't know, but I just thought it was really slow even when I leveled him up. Well, it, does it gain speed, or do you mean just like the like the amount of gold it collects? Yeah, the speed and the amount of gold that he collects. So you're you're starting familiar as a canary. It will collect gold for you that falls on the ground, and it also increases the value of the gold with each level. So at level one, yeah, it's very slow at collecting the gold, and it doesn't do any multiplier for the gold. But once it gets to level two, it goes a little bit faster, and it does like a ten percent increase for the gold it's collecting. But once it gets to level three, it like collects everything. As soon as it touches the ground, the canary collects it, I and it does like a twenty percent increase. Because I think mine just wasn't very bright. Because he would just go at, like to the gold that was the furthest away from each other, and I was like, that doesn't help me, dude. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's just probably when it's like level one. As far as like the other familiars go, though, like 
you do not realize how good the canary is until you don't have it. Anytime I would take another familiar, I, I would always be like, yeah, I'm taking the canary back. I don't want this anymore. You told me that, and I was thinking about it, and I just, I didn't switch familiars. Because for me, I was like, dude, I'd rather focus on the gold. You will notice the canary once you get it to level three. Once it's level three, your gold just skyrockets. So one thing I felt like I noticed, and I don't know if you did, Andrew or Liz, but if it was like a matter of like the more gold I spent, the gold amounts obviously didn't increase, but the amount of actual drops or kind of pieces that would come out seemed to increase or yeah. there just seemed to be a better chance of getting the high value ones versus just like the tiny little nuggets. Yeah. I, I noticed that too. The more you played it, it would scale a little bit more. So even though you're starting at the very first level, yeah, when you first play the game, there's just little specks of gold. But even after playing a couple of rounds, yeah, you're getting bigger nuggets, even though you're playing still the beginning. Which brings me to one of my biggest complaints about the gameplay is the scaling. Is it, it felt like this is where I didn't feel like I was ever really increasing well. Because as soon as I increase my damage, all of a sudden I just start getting harder enemies at earlier floors. I and noticed it, that. And it just didn't make sense. That bothered me a lot. I never noticed that until you actually brought that up with me as well. And yeah, so the game does do a bit of scaling. It's not doing one-to-one -one scaling. So like you are still doing some progression, but yes, the enemies definitely are getting stronger and having more health the more you're playing the game, which always irritates me when a game does that. Like what's the point of progression if the enemies are getting stronger as well? That always irritates me. But like I said, it's at least not one-to-one. -one. So you can still eventually get strong enough that you're still killing enemies in one hit earlier on in the game. But yeah, I did think that was really odd. But I will say I did like some of the enemies that they introduced to the earlier fours. Like there was a guy that threw a lot of bombs and I felt like sometimes he was actually helpful yeah. because he would get the gold that was like behind some stone that I didn't feel like blowing up myself. <laughs> but what enemies did you guys hate the most or like the most? Oh, the worst were the bats. The bats are the most obnoxious things in the world. You talk about the big purple ones? Yeah, because ones? they would do a ton of damage. They had really good range and they were just they were just obnoxious. Yeah, they shot too fast. Yeah. Like, you couldn't get in and out really quick enough un without just doing, uh, without your throwing. I didn't like really any of the ranged enemies just for that point. They just all kind of seemed to be a nuisance. I think the one I hated the most, though, at least as far as I got into the game, was on the on the third floor of the halls. The one that just kept spawning the little toads or whatever they were. Because oh, yeah. it spawned them so fast, and you'd just be overrun with them real quickly if you weren't paying attention. And the poison actually does, like, chunk away at you, too. Yeah. Are you talking about the, the druid? It's not yeah, a druid. druid. It's a druid dude or something like that. I think it's supposed to be the druid. The druid. When I was uncovering the library, it took me a couple of goes because I kept getting these... I don't know what they do, but they teleported, and then all of a sudden there'd be three of them right next to me, and they'd just blast me. And I didn't see them anywhere else, but they were awful. I was like, how am I supposed to beat these guys? And there was four of them. So they would teleport, and then they would transform into like two or three of themselves, and right, right next to me. Yeah, this is what we're kind of talking about with the scaling. Because, so there's a big kind of a wave-based fight that you do on the third world where you're trying to open a library. When I did it, my three waves were pretty simple, but I got there earlier than you did, Liz. So by the time you got there, your character was much stronger, and so it was giving you I harder wasn't that enemies. strong. 
Well, your character was definitely more level than mine because you got your throw maxed out like pretty quick. But yeah, so I think they gave you more difficult enemies because your character was technically stronger than mine was. And yeah, so you had a, a harder like wave fights than I did. Well, I can tell you that fight changed every time because I did it probably I don't it know did. a handful of the times. Yeah, and I think and there was once I was really close to it, but then the next time I just got like a really easy wave. It was just a bunch of weak enemies for the first two, and then I think it some like gargoyles on the last. So I just blew them up with bombs, and it's like, oh cool, that was easy. Yeah, that was, that sounds like my fight. I think that's just like one of the moments where I think it kind of scales a little bit, or just it's kind of the unfortunate luck of the draw. Yeah, weird RNG in the game. Yeah. So Liz, I wanted to ask you first, what did you think of the graphics of the game? I really like the enemies. Overall, I, I really did enjoy it, but I just thought that there's only so many floors. Like, maybe make them just a little bit more unique. See, I thought you would instantly love the graphics, because I don't know if you noticed, Keith, but these graphics, and honestly, I think overall the design of the game is exactly like Graveyard Keeper. I don't think so. I As soon as I saw this game... My theory was this This game takes place at Graveyard Keeper. Heck, maybe all the bodies in Graveyard Keeper are the dead peasants that are dying in the mines. Maybe the people, but, like, I don't think anything else. Ah, uh, I thought it was very similar. Like, obviously some of, like, the character designs, but, like, the the pixelation of the game in the... Uh, Graveyard Keeper how... was way more pixelated. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. It I'm trying to more. look it up I... right now. I, this game didn't feel gloomy. Like, I, I... For instance, like, the second mine area that you get to has these like fluorescent blues and that's actually good i actually didn't think about that but for a game that the entire game takes place within a mine yeah you're right it didn't feel gloomy like i actually it really felt bright and colorful to me yeah i thought each of the worlds were quite were very distinct but you still had an idea of like what was going on even though it's like this is a whole new area. You can still figure out, okay, there's gold there. I mine that for gold. These are the pots that'll drop items. I really like the look and the atmosphere of it all, but I did wish that it just changed more throughout the levels because there there really aren't that many. So for me, I'm like, have some like different bushes and stuff in like the blue area. It just kind of got a little samey after a while. When you're playing it for like over 20 hours, I don't even know how much time I put into this game. It was a lot. <laughs> But after a while, it's just like, give me something new to look at. It recorded, what, 48 hours? But it, the timer kept going, even when you turned no, your Xbox off. No, it was in the 60s. Off. Oh, you were in the 60s? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I think I hit, uh, like, 100, but same thing. Like, if you, yeah, if you just shut off your Xbox, if you don't fully quit out of the game or change over to a different game, the counter just keeps on ticking. Yeah, um, so I think mine was probably the most accurate. Mine's, I think, like, 22 when I finally beat it. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I was going to say about the graphics. I think as a whole, they felt very just indie game. And I'm fine with that. I know what I'm getting into when I'm playing the game. But I did think they had some really cool attention to detail. Like I think I pointed out to you before you even started the game, one of the first things I noticed that was just really, really cool, I guess, about their design was they went into the aspect of things actually reflect off of water. Yeah. So if there's a torch that's sitting in the middle of some water, you can see it reflecting. And as you walk by, you block that and you see your reflection. And I don't know. That's what, that's something that for the level of graphics was pretty cool. 
Yeah, one of the worlds is actually like a crystal cave. I think it's the uh, yeah the fourth mm-hmm. world. And yeah, you can see your character's reflection anytime you're by the wall. But as far as like the graphics go, what I really enjoyed is I never lost my character. Even on the run where I won and I was dropping a thousand bombs, everything on the screen's blowing up. Gold when it hit the ground was blowing up. I never felt like I was losing my character. I thought everything was just well-defined. I could actually see what enemies were what. I could see where my characters were, and I could see projectiles. I never felt like I was getting hit by something that I didn't know what I was getting hit by. And I think that is just really goes to show just actually how good of a job they did with the graphics. Because especially in a game like this, when a ton of stuff's going on and there's a bunch of enemies, it's easy to get lost. But I never felt that way. I also felt it was very easy to find the enemies that you really need to focus on as well. Yeah. So they have these like little green flying things that shoot at you. And so the red ones are even more annoying. And even if there was like 20 enemies on the screen, I could always just find them. And I think that's great that they didn't just like have like five different types of slimes and five types of this and five types of that. Like I generally felt like they put a lot of time into like the the character models. Yeah, there's not a bunch of recoloring of enemies. You're not finding even yeah, the same the one. The flying ones are bigger, they they shoot more. Like there was differences that I could very easily distinguish. Yeah. It's definitely a creature you could see and be like, I know it's going to shoot something at me, but depending on the floor you're on, it's going to add a different variation to it. So like you could at least still kind of have an idea as to what it's going to do. But either way, though, besides the yeah, the flying bugs, uh, the bats had, I think, two different skins. And then the skeletons, that's just about it. Every other enemy was unique. There wasn't a ton of recoloring and reusing of the same monsters. So every time you're going to a new world, it actually would feel fresh. And they, uh, they attacked you different ways. Like they had that wimpy archer, the coward one that shot three sometimes, but then would shoot one arrow. So I always liked see, like seeing new things that were going to attack me. <laughs> and I don't know if you guys ever noticed, but you do have a bestiary and you could actually look up the monsters that you fought. And a lot of monsters actually have strengths and weaknesses. So like the archers, they were extra weak against lightning. So oh. if you knew you had a lightning attack, you could try to use that against them. Some of the monsters, like the gargoyles, were weak against the bombs. Like you could actually, there actually were pros and cons to some of the enemies you were fighting. I didn't realize that. I did notice it with the gargoyles, and specifically when they go to stone, that's when they're susceptible to bombs. It seemed like. Yeah. Um, but I didn't realize that across the across all of it that it would. But that is that is cool. And there were tidbits about the miners when they died as well, but I would always just hit A. And it, it was always just for something comical. Yeah. Like my character, she died and left 16 kids behind, all of which are peasants. That's that was like funny. One of the things. It's so comical. <laughs> well, it's just kind of funny. Like, I, don't I thought it was funny. All <laughs> They're right. all peasants. <laughs> one of them is my guy died, but he forgot to leave the stove on. Or he forgot he left the stove on. They're just meant to be kind of funny. There weren't, like, anything to be serious. That one was funny. <laughs> you don't have to be rude, you jerk. A real, a real knee slapper. <laughs> what was the funny ones you came up with, huh? That you had? I didn't I didn't pay attention. Oh, yeah, see? You don't have to be rude. You don't I'm just saying any. having 16 orphan peasants isn't funny. <laughs> In the context What's of the game, it's funny because you guys are just an endless what? wave of peasants. I don't know. You don't forget it. <laughs> I don't know. I'm I'm with Andrew on this one, actually. That's a, that's a valid point. Before you ask, I don't remember the music. <laughs> All right. It got a little old. 
Yeah, I will admit, I but at the same out. time, I, at the same time, I don't know. I I didn't really notice it. I thought the music got a little old too, but the soundtrack definitely is small. But it and didn't annoy me. It eventually, even the sound effects, they eventually just go back into yeah, your brain. It's forgettable. You don't, you don't realize it's going on. It, it is forgettable, but I can at least attest to this. This is definitely a game, though, you do have to play with volume on. Uh, specifically, once you get to the second world, there are these enemies called the imps that basically they clap their hands and the ground beneath your feet explodes. But they, they clearly make a loud noise every time they clap. They laugh and they clap. And if you do not have your sound on, you will sometimes not realize they're in the room and it could kill you. And I know because this happened to me, the baby got a hold of the remote and turned the volume off. As soon as I entered the room... You didn't hear the laughter. I didn't hear the laughter, and I got blasted, and I died, and I lost my run. And I was like, well, now I know I need to keep the volume on. <laughs> so as even though the music and sound effects aren't the most entertaining, they do help you in the game, though. Yeah, but you could always, you know, turn off the music, put on your own music, put on your favorite podcast. <laughs> I, I, technically, yes, you could do that with any game. But it, you could the, you wouldn't lose anything in the music, though. I, I'm saying. Yeah. You could legitimately cut out the music and you'd be fine. You just need the sound effects. Yeah. You could also do in that, you know, like Guitar Hero. You know, just turn off the music in Guitar Hero and just listen to a podcast. Now, that would be a real challenge. <laughs> no, I'd like listen to some different music entirely. <laughs> Play classical music while rocking out to like Leonard Skinner. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> maybe some good old fashioned butt rock. <laughs> so, yeah, the music and sound effects are definitely. Really forgettable. But, uh, guys, callbacks are funny. you got to remember those. <laughs> Keep them up. Did you guys think the achievements were at all? Any good? I had fun striving for them, but then when I finally got them, because I didn't look how much they were worth, some of them were like five points, and they were very grindy. And when I saw that, I was... I This is a horrible for Team Hunters. I, there, I forget which one it was, but I was working for it for a while, and I got five points for it. <laughs> I don't know. I think they're they're some of them are fun, but they're very grindy and they're not worth what they should be worth. See, I think everything's really attainable, and they are grindy, yes. But at the same time, it's really just playing the game over and over and over again and just doing what you're supposed to do in the game. But I I get like I agree with you. It's just. I don't know. They weren't. They weren't very interesting. I guess is the big thing. They were just like play the game. Yeah. So I agree. Overall, the achievements. It's definitely not for achievement hunters, but I think at least quite a bit of the achievements are relatively chainable. It's just gonna take some time, and at least I know you enjoy it, Liz. I did feel like it was drip feeding me achievements. The more you just kept playing, it would just be like, ah, you you know, spent a certain amount at the store. Or, hey, you uh, upgraded your weapon to the max. You know, you entered a new world, here's an achievement. You beat a boss, here's an achievement. So I really enjoyed the aspect that they would kind of drip feed you some here and there. I think once you get on a roll, they're easy to get some of them. Like, once you're getting a lot of gold in one run, it's easy to upgrade things. But I feel like I'm just, like, not good enough at the game, I guess. So my final score for achievement, I got, I ended up playing, I think my final time was about 22 hours. I beat the game. Uh, I got 590 gamer score. 355. And I'm at 390. So I think the amount of time that I put in, I don't think that's really worth it. 
for achievements only. But I, I agree. Like, I did like being drip-fed them. I just... So the, the time to beat, as it's listed for the main story, you're looking at about 21 hours to beat all the extras, which I don't think this is accurate. It says 30 hours. Because after you beat the game, there actually is, like, multiple things you can do. There's the other mine. One of the things you unlock, it, you basically start fresh. You just get to select certain things. So your character that is starting from level one, there's two relics. You can pick one of them. You, there's two familiars. You can only pick one familiar. There's, like, two curses. You have to pick a curse. Then there's two blessings, and you have to pick one of the blessings. So every time you're doing the other mine, it's... Uh, kind of this fresh run and it's just a lot more challenging i don't quite understand the whole reward of it i just know it's just kind of like another game mode you can play and then of course too you can actually just keep playing the regular mine but you're increasing the difficulty so every time you completely beat the mine you get a relic that increases the difficulty of it and there's an achievement i think to get like 30 to do it with like 30 of those relics so that's going to take a very long time the achievements over on the game, they're fun, but definitely nothing worth, like, playing the game for. Alright, so getting into our final thoughts. Keith, what did you think of Undermine? So, I, I thought it was a ton of fun. It's It can be frustrating at times, and I go, I don't know why I'm playing this. I'm just doing the same thing over and over again. But I can also lose two hours just playing it, not realizing it, so... As far as, I guess, a final score, I it's a really fun roguelike, and I would definitely recommend it, because it's just challenging enough, I think, if to be fun, but it's also very simple. But there's a lot of other better ones. I think Dead Cells is a lot more fun. Mm, so I'd say like a 77. I suppose you uh, did that, though. I thought for more, you, you would enjoy this so much more. It's weird. I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> I, I'm conflicted about it. So I enjoyed it. Uh, as I said, it's it's if you don't like roguelikes, this isn't going to change your stance on it at all. But I found this very simple. You swing your axe, you throw your axe, you drop bombs, and you jump. Like that's the extent of the gameplay is like kind of what you're doing. I felt like this game was really good at drip feeding you progression. Your character I felt like was getting stronger each run I was doing. I felt like I was getting achievements here and there. I will say I, I agree with. My co-host, where I kind of felt like I was starting to hit a brick wall. I felt like I was stuck in the third boss for the longest time. And I thought the scaling was a little bit odd. But overall, I, I found this to be overall pretty relaxing. I never felt stressed about it. As Keith said, you could play just for a couple hours, do a couple runs. I thought I did a really good job saving your location. So even if I'm in the middle of a run, I could stop and it'd keep me right where I was. I, oh, like a save feature? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no no back in the day Keith you were talking about pausing the game you're like this game you could pause cool Keith <laughs> never <laughs> but yeah so I think the game was a lot of fun I think I'd give it an 80 it didn't do anything to really kind of change the formula of things but I thought it was relaxing I enjoyed my time with it I thought the story was interesting enough so yeah you might want to check it out so I think I'm going to give it an 83. I was really unsure because I was addicted to this game. I couldn't stop playing. But I definitely think there needs to be more story. I do like that even though you don't really get to change up your weapons, your weapon changes by like getting things that can make it so that it shoots off in three different directions or it'll ricochet. So I, I actually was just thinking like there really weren't 
any other weapons. But I think they did a good job with that. Uh, so I, it's addicting. It's, I mean, I would go in thinking like, oh, I'm going to play five minutes. And then all of a sudden, like he said, it's two hours. And you're like, holy crap. So <laughs> uh, looking at Metacritic, it's TBD. Um, I think everything was around like between 70 and 90. But one critic who gave it a 70 said, the game is also just beautiful to look at with highly detailed and varied character models and map layouts. It's satirical, lighthearted story is a breath of fresh air in a genre that mostly puts out overly serious and gridmark titles. The small twists on the overcrowded roguelike genre are almost enough to set the game apart. And he wrote some more, but I mean, overall, I think people really like the game. I'm Metacritic. Uh, sorry, <laughs> our co-host isn't on there. No co-host. Yet. It's I. There's not many reviews, so. My aim. I don't even think this game's been out a full year, has it? No, I I think it literally came out like a week or two ago. Yeah, so that makes sense. Yeah. But yeah, there was no, like really high scores. I mean, ninety is a high score, but there's no hundreds, no zeros. It was just very much good game. Yeah. Speaking of our co-host, we do have on our Facebook a uh, post there. We are looking for recommendations as to what we should give him for a nickname. Oh. Can't say he. I don't know. We don't. All the only thing we know is that they write in French, but yeah, we're trying to figure out a name. We've had a, we have had a couple suggestions, but yeah, we're always yeah. looking for more. Keep it appropriate. I know you're all a bunch of rowdy folks out there. It's hard because you never know what's offensive nowadays. Because <laughs> I get a couple, but I'm like, ah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm offended that you won't say the things. You told me not to. <laughs> I'd say, yeah. If, I th- I always like to play on the side of. If I'm not sure, it's best to just not do it. But anyway, I've been your hardcore gamer host, Andrew. You can find me on Xbox Live at Firebird01952. Uh, thank you all so much for joining us this week. If you want to write us an email, we're at GamePassGrabBag at gmail.com. We're on Facebook at GamePassGrabBag and YouTube. You can Google us. Keith, Ooh. where can people find you? On the internet. What? <laughs> it was going to be like the sex offender registry? <laughs> <laughs> all right see <laughs> we can cut that out no problem all right might keep it in Liz, no, keith is not a sex offender no you can find her on twitter at Liz the new but not ew or at izzy w but it doesn't matter good night all right everyone that was an awful outro good job guys sorry Liz. Okay. you can do Liz, you can do your proper outro no i liked it <laughs> Alright everyone, we hope to see you again next week.